On the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to look at a phenomenon that is gaining speed, it seems, that young people losing their faith. Boy, all the statistics just look terrible when you read them. Uh, And we want to talk about why and what we might be able to do to help stop that trend. All right. We're going to talk about that. It's an important topic, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we are on the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August 30th, 2018. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, thanks for being here. It's good to be here. Yeah, glad to have you helping us out tonight and glad that you're on the other end of the line. We want to hear from you tonight on the program at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com and in the chat room. If you're not signed in there, sign in and share your comments with other listeners tonight as we uh, engage in this important discussion talking about why young people are losing their faith. We want to hear from you at any time throughout the week, if you hear something on the program that you agree with, that you disagree with, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future edition of the program, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com or just send us an email and let us know you're out there. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, well, there's an update list you can get on. How we, always talk about, we always talk about getting on our update list so you get a Thursday midday notice about our topic for discussion and get on that email list if you're not there. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. College View, spelled C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E, collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. We'll be glad to do it. All right. And if you're not, by the way, I got an email from somebody today who said, put me back on the list, and and he's already on the list. And so I think probably what his situation is, and others may experience that too, it may get routed into your spam folder, and so you need but to check it. But it's not spam. It's not spam. We it's don't good spam. stuff. That's right. And, right. and, and of course, you can you can... Uh, tell your email provider that it's not spam, and then from then on it should go on your inbox. All right. And we've got bumper stickers. If you'd like one of those, uh, get uh, send us an email with your snail mail address. Those are free of charge, and you can help us get the word out about the program. All right. All right. So, Jacob, this was actually your doing, so let me have you introduce what we're going to talk about tonight. Well, you know, we do hear about uh, a lot about young people in our personal experience of young people who – get to a certain point in their life, and they walk away from their faith as they were raised. And you do a little research, and the statistics are shocking. In general, uh, there is a, a rise in those who would call themselves religiously unaffiliated. That would include those who don't believe in God anymore or those who just... That's, are, that's all across the age spectrum. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, in America, we're... We're becoming, I think the terminology they typically use, we're becoming a more secular society. That's on right. a, a constantly becoming more and more that way. Those, are, those who are religiously unaffiliated now make up the largest group of re, so-called religious group in America. So, at, what's your, at, what, so the question is, what's your religion? 
And the biggest answer in America is none. 25%. Yeah. One out of every four. Yeah. Amazing. And it's an incredibly large number with those that are young. Those in the ages of between 18 and 29, almost 40%, 39% of folks in that age group. Four out of 10. Four out of 10 are unaffiliated with any religious group. Uh, and that is, uh, they say that's nearly four times as many as it was a, year, uh, gener- a generation ago. So it's growing. Uh, this, the, the young people who are identifying themselves as religiously unaffiliated, that number is growing very, very rapidly. And they tell us that this happens, uh, a majority of these uh, happen, uh, they walk away from the faith before they reach the age of 18. More than 6 in 10, 62% of the religiously unaffiliated people in America today say they abandoned their childhood religion before they turned 18. And so that means that they're doing that while they're still primarily in their parents' homes. Under their parents' wings. Because actually, kids are staying home longer now than they used to. And so it would be very common for 18-year-olds to still be at home. Yes, and 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 yet a, a big number of these kids who are are leaving religion are doing it while they're still at home. Then. Now this is when, and you would think still under the influence of their parents. Now we're talking kids that are thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old that are yeah. claiming that they have left their the faith that they grew up in at those young ages. It's a shocking trend. Yeah, and so. They give uh, reasons for that. We want to talk about those on the program tonight. But I think before we get started, when we think about the young age that uh, people are walking away from the faith, we need to, as parents, not wait to be instilling uh, faith and values into our our, our children. Well, you know, we've always heard that faulty philosophy that says, I'm not going to force religion on my kids. I'm going to wait till they're old enough to decide for themselves. Well... Apparently, a lot of people are following that faulty way of thinking, and they're and and young people are deciding for themselves to not even care about religion and go the other way. So people are making that decision intentionally, but I think a lot of people are making it unintentionally, where they're just yeah. not making it a priority. Yeah. How many how many parents do you see that aren't bringing their children to Bible class? If they do bring them to Bible class, they're not prepared. How many parents are spending time with their children on a daily basis to to bring them up? In the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, uh, parents need to have a reality check here to realize that your your children may be drifting away from the faith at a much earlier age than you thought may even be possible. And also realize that the people that they're associating with, in uh, maybe in the public schools and elsewhere, there's a, a, an increasingly significant no. Percentage of kids that have absolutely no moral training can, whatsoever. Can we back that up a little bit? Yeah. Looking at the statistics, 62% of the people who are religiously unaffiliated made that decision when they were young. There's a good chance the kids in church that your kids are associating with yeah. are not what they no, and pro- they're not going to stick with it. To be. That's and, exactly and right. In other words, they may the the kids your kids are seeing at church they may come while they're still. Under the, under the direction of their parents, so but as soon as they get out, they may. So even uh, what you're saying is, but there's no safe haven. There's not. So even they're they're in a, a family in the church. They're in a Christian family, 
and your kids are associating with them freely, even while they're while they're still at home, they may not have the faith that they should have. They may have already walked away from it, and maybe they're still going through the motions while they're under their parents' wings. But it's not uh, it's but, not a given. And, and, and you know, statistics aside, sadly, a lot of us have personal have have personal experience in dealing with situations where young people left the faith uh maybe just maybe while they were still at home but certainly as soon as they left home it's 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 not just a, a an abstract discussion it's a it's a it's a situation that's affecting real people's lives and we got it we got like as you said we need to get a wake up call 8773814567 questions at collegeu.com and so the reasons given for uh, people walking away from the faith, 60%, and these are uh, would include the young people that are walking away, 60% said they stopped believing in the religion's teachings. Okay, so what we're going to do then to to flesh out this discussion, we're gonna we're gonna go through this survey. Who who did uh, Public Religion Research Institute? Yes, right. Public Religion Research. And this is from 2016, fairly recently. So they did this survey, and they and they're gonna they they list in their survey the reasons why these young people are abandoning their religious faith. And the first of the highest percentage of them responded they quit because they stopped believing in the religion's teachings. And your question to our listeners earlier today, Jacob, was what, if anything, can be done to combat that? What, what would we do? So now that's even a higher. So so what do we say? Four out of ten kids are leaving the, leaving their religious upbringing. Of those that do, 60%. 60%. So 60% of 40% is going to be like. About three, two and a half. Oh, sorry. Two out of ten. Yeah. Two to three out of ten. Yeah. M- m- really, more like three out of three out of. Hmm. I, I have to get my calculator out to do that. But uh, what we're saying, at least twenty-five percent of young people are saying they don't believe what they're what they've been taught religiously. All right. So that's a significant that's a significant problem. We're not we're we're not getting. Uh, the message through to our kids. We're not grounding them yeah. in scriptural and spiritual principles. And parents have to understand it is their responsibility to do this, not the church's responsibility. It's not uh, some other person's responsibility. It's a parent's responsibility to be grounding their children in spiritual fundamentals. Yeah. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, tells us very clearly uh, to the children of Israel, these words that which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets upon thine eyes. We've got to be grounding our children on a daily basis, multiple times a day, is the idea that is given here to the children of Israel is that they need to be talking about these things to their children multiple times a day. Yeah. And you got to wonder in, in American households today how often that happens. Yeah. And you got to think that back in those times the kids wouldn't have been distracted with so many things and, and yet they were still the parents were still told give them instruction morning, noon and night. Yeah. Uh and and yet young people today have so many other distractions and parents are not even spending one time a day talking to their kids about godly things. 
Psalm 78, verses 4 through 7. We will not hide them from our children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, to which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And the idea is God has set parents in the, play, in the family to be the ones who instill that faith to the generations to come. Yeah, and so for all the, the, the big majority of kids are quitting because they say they stop believing what the religion teaches, which clearly indicates that they've not been taught and grounded in the very basic truths. Steve uh, responded to, by email uh, Steve's moved. He was in Texas, but I'm not sure where Steve is now. He's moved. I know he's moved. Uh, he, he references a book called Already Gone, which outlined why so many have left the Christian faith. He mentions, though, more from denominations than anything else. He says, however, I still have seen so many parents whose children leave the faith from the Church of Christ also. The rationale provided in this book was that we're not teaching biblical matters as fact, such as Noah and the Ark. Many are explaining the Bible as, a good, uh, as good stories rather than teaching the stories as fact. However, I don't get this from true dedicated believers in the Lord's church. Rather, I see parents that are not nearly involved with their children in spiritual matters, not teaching at home, but expecting them to grow like a plant without guidance or maybe attending church and skipping out on classes. So really, it's up to the parents to do something. We have to understand that children have spirits. And unless we guide that, then we cannot expect them to grow. All right. Absolutely. And uh, appreciate that, Steve. And, you know, uh, it, it emphasizes the fact that we need to be teaching our children fundamental principles of God's Word. Yeah. Not these just these general self-help or how to, you know, it needs to be in the fundamentals. Well, you know, it, in education in America... Uh, there's been a real emphasis on sort of the emotions of the student. The polls have been done. Uh, I think I heard just the other day, uh, the students in America rank, I think, 37th in the world in math. So that, that's pretty bad, right? But, you know, they rank highest in the world in regards to what they think of their abilities in math. And so they, so what that survey says is we've taught our kids to feel real good about themselves. We haven't given them any substance to justify that. And I think that same thing is true religiously. We spend a lot of time on making our kids feel good, emotional kind of appeals to young people, without any real substance in the in the hard facts of the Bible. They're not walking away from the religion and saying, you know, I don't agree that I ought to feel good. Or I don't agree that I ought to be successful in school or on my job. Or I don't I don't I don't agree that I ought to have uh fulfilling relationships with others they're not walking away from that they're walking away from the religion's teachings the fundamentals the core beliefs of the of the of the religion they're walking away from that we need which, to be grounding them in that which indicates they don't know those core beliefs and they've not been found uh, and, grounded and in them it's 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 there's two things you gotta you need to know you need to know what you believe and you need to know why you believe it right and we got to get that across to our kids. I think a lot of our kids don't know what they believe. No, they don't. And, and then there's an, and then beyond that, a lot of them who might tell you what they believe couldn't tell you why they believe that. 
And that's a two-pronged problem. And so we've got to get our kids grounded to know what they believe and why. So you give them the facts and you give them the information and then you give them the test, the, the tested proof that these things are so. We're in a spiritual battlefield and our children are being thrown right in the middle of it. And yeah. we need to equip them to be prepared to withstand the attacks that they'll face. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after christ we've got to get our children rooted and grounded and established in the faith yeah. and uh and we've got to as parents need to be uh the ones that are pushing that with our kids real quick before we get a break uh, kent in georgia says Attempt to persuade individuals to consider evidence regarding the existence of God, the plenary verbal inspiration of the Bible, the deity of Christ, true New Testament Christianity as revealed in the Lord's Church. Again, we'll teach them what they should believe and why. And Gail says teenagers need to learn that the Bible is not too hard for them to understand. There may, be, there may be some things that are hard to understand, but a lot of it is not. So many think that it's so hard to understand that they wouldn't be able to understand um, most of an adult Bible class. Young people need to focus more on textual studies, learning context, instead of topical studies. Topics should be learned within the context of a text. I, I think that that's I, – I, I might have a slight difference of agreement with what Gail said, but I do think – I, I was uh, visiting recently and in the Bible class – it was a topical study with just passing reference to the scriptures. Yeah, right. Uh, now, I think some topics you can't, as she says, topics should be learned within the context of a text. I think there's some topics that you probably can't do that with. For instance, uh, if you wanted to teach young people about gambling, I think you're going to have, you, you, I don't think you can find a good text, a good text that will give you all the information that you want to cover on the subject of gambling. I, I think some topics require topical approaches, but I do think we want to be deep into the scriptures, no matter how we're approached, whether we're topic, talk, teaching topically or textually, we want to be deep into the scriptures, just a, an overflowing amount of Bible. All right, we're late for a break. We need to get it. Steve's in the chat room tonight. You asked where he lived. He lives in Grinnell, Iowa now. Hey, I think I knew that. Hey, yeah. Steve. Good yeah, to talk to you. There. Steve and Dwight's out in Iowa, not too far from Grinnell. He says, uh, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they will not depart. How does this relate with what you were talking about? I think it certainly has to relate Yeah, uh, that we've got to be training up our children exactly at right. a very young age. Well, we've age. got a strong Iowa contingent in the chat room. They're doing their part so, in so the rest tonight. of you join in. And Timothy was uh, commended uh, in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It gets back to the scriptures. Yeah. Timothy knew them from a child. Yeah. And we've got to make sure that our children do as well. We're going to break, and we'll get your thoughts on the other side when we get back. 32% of the people who are now religiously unaffiliated say that one of the reasons why was that their family was never that religious when they were growing up. What impact does that have on a young person, and how can we combat that? We'll get to that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Wow. It isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages.
I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Real integrity is doing the right thing, knowing that nobody's going to know whether you did it or not. When opportunity knocks, a grumbler complains about the noise. Man, wish I'd said that. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The Virtual Bible Study rolls along. And we're back on the program tonight as we look at uh, why young people are losing the faith. The answers that they give when asked, why did you walk away from the faith that you were raised? And uh, we're asking what we can do as adults who care about these young people. What can we do to help influence them in what is right? All right, so uh, just before the break, you said... Uh, a significant percentage of those who are leaving the faith say that their own family was never that religious while they were growing up. Yes. Boy, that's got to be a scary thing to parents who let things come between them and their family and their religious service. Um, we're going on vacation the next couple of weeks, and we're not even going to give a thought to going to church while we're away on vacation. It's Little League Baseball Tournament time. And those tournament games are inevitably right when we have church service scheduled. But we, my son's the starting pitcher on the Little League team, and, and, and they just can't do without him. We're going to go to the Little League Baseball Tournament. Uh, it's uh, high school uh, band season. And uh, our, our, our uh, daughter is in the band, and... It's just man, they're they're in competitions and stuff all the time. We're traveling all over the countryside trying to get to these band competitions. Well, unfortunately, it keeps us from being at church as regularly as we should be. But it'll be over now. It'll be over in two or three months, and and we can get back to it. You want me to keep? You want me to keep expanding? Uh, I think I get the idea <laughs> that uh, your your kids are watching that, and yeah. and it's leading to your children walking away from the faith is what yeah. it is. It's yeah. serious. How, how important is that baseball game? Is it worth your ch- you know, children walking away from the faith? All those little league over? baseball players, I want to tell you something. The chances that any one of them is ever going to have a career in baseball, for that matter, even, even play beyond little league, is really remote. Yeah. It's almost, the, the, the chances of them going to college on a scholarship, for instance, or, I mean, the, 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 the crazy dream of making the major leagues is just is just uh, that's that's uh you couldn't calculate how low the odds are of that but even to play beyond amateur youth leagues is and yet people are compromising the spiritual well-being of their kids for these youth sports teams it's it's ridiculous 32 percent said their family was never that religious if, growing up. If if you teach your kids, if you if you compromise in, in those ways and your kids watch that compromising being done, they're going to learn from it's it. It's not that big a deal. It, well, but think about it. Think about it. So we're going to miss 
maybe we might miss 10 worship services because of of, of the baseball season. 10, there, there, there's 50 weeks in the year. Most of the time we're going to be at church. We're going to miss, we're going to, the, the times we miss is a minority compared to the majority of times we go. I'll tell you something. The kids learn more from the minority of times that you miss than they do from the majority of times that you go. If church and religion is not that big a deal to us as parents, it's going to be by default not that big a deal and not that significant to our children. Notice what it says about Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Timothy had unfeigned faith, sincere faith. He was He's religious. He's serious about it. But notice what he says, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in thee also. Yeah. Where did he get his unfeigned faith? He got it by looking at his mother and his grandmother. They were serious about their religion, about their faith, and it rubbed off on their son and grandson. Exactly right. And we need that for our, parent, our children as well. Exactly right. Uh, Kent says, attempt to demonstrate from the scriptures to our kids that we are individually and personally are held accountable to God for our own actions and will be judged accordingly, regardless of how we were reared and how our families reacted to the truth of God. Now, I think that's an important point. So my parents really kind of let me down because they were bad compromisers. They, 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 they would let lots of things come between them and going to church. Okay. But when you grow up and become your own person, you're going to have to make a decision for yourself. Uh, but the problem is parental influence is so strong, and that early childhood training is so powerful a lot of people just never get past that. Yes. And I, I saw another statistic as I was preparing for this, that as children get to a point and they have questions about their faith, as is inevitable many times, they primarily go to their parents for answers to those questions before they even go to the Bible. And what kind of parents or what kind of influence and example are you going to be to your children as they are trying to figure these things out? in their lives and deal with those questions that they face. Exactly right. Uh, Gail said parents need to treat sin like the danger that it is. So many kids aren't taught discernment. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 shows the way to learn discernment is doing what is right. It's not enough to know right and wrong. Kids have to be trained in what is right by doing right. Instead, parents minimize sin and think it's okay uh, if a show or movie has one or two cuss words that they can just tell their kids that cussing is wrong. Uh, in other words, we, we're, we're compromising things for our kids. Uh, and, and I know I've heard parents say, I don't want my kids to be different. Uh, and I, I think that that's, we've commented about that before on our program. I want my kids to be different. When you think about the kids of the world and the things that they're involved in, you better hope your kids are different. And you better help them be different. But kids are kids. Kids are immature. Kids don't make good choices on their own. That's why, as parents, you raise them, you rear them, you teach and discipline them, and and, and you've got to you've got to work hard at teaching them the things of God. All right. Notice what uh, notice this pattern that was to to be exemplified in the lives of the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter six, how the parents. Their faithfulness to God would impact their children. 32% of folks who walk away from the faith and become religiously unaffiliated say their family was never that religious growing up. God gives a formula to combat that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, being verse 17. 
You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which I command thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thy enemies from before thee, as the Lord has spoken. So they were to be diligently keeping the commandments of the Lord. And notice what is the result. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which, are, which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And it goes on and it says, that it explains their faith and why they had faith. And uh, and it, be, it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. It gave the parents an opportunity to instill faith in their children. Yeah. When the p- children saw their parents diligently following the commands. Hey, what's this about? Why have we got these commandments from God? Yeah. Then you can tell them, and you can tell them how it will be our good if we'll do what God has said. Exactly right. So parents have to be the example. And if you are not very religious and setting that precedent for your household, be prepared for the results that may come to your children as they walk away from the faith. Got an email from Donna in Florida who says, My family was never religious when I was growing up. Although we attended a Methodist church from time to time, if we didn't have other plans. That's exactly the kind of thing we're talking about here. Yeah. But notice that she, I was introduced to true Christianity when I was 19 by a friend who asked me to come to church with her and spoke with me about Jesus. Since then, I've been baptized, and Jesus is a very big part of my life. I study his word daily, teach a children's group at my church. Funny how a small seed of asking me to come to church changed my life in such a big way. And she encourages, ask someone to come to church on Sunday. Hey, Donna, thanks which for Which is a good plan. Yeah. Boy, boy, the thunder's rolling outside. And, yeah. Uh, so if we go off here, we may be knocked off with a big thunderstorm rolling through. But uh, D- Donna is uh, Donna's a success story that doesn't usually happen. Yeah. If your parents are not religious, there's a great high percentage that you're not going to be religious. Uh, Donna's an exception. Yeah. The general rule is if your kids are going to be less religious than you are. In general. And that's, yeah. a, that's a trend we're seeing in our society. The data backs that up. Yeah. As we watch that trend, that graph, the, uh, the, the slope continues to increase as we get farther yeah. and farther away Hey, by our... the way, Donna says send me a couple more bumper stickers. All right, Donna. Yeah, way to go, Donna. You got it, Donna. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dwight says, I've seen compromise in the church lots, and that as parents are, so will their kids. Fathers are to bring up their children in the admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6, verse 4. Yeah. And Dwight's, Dwight's seeing that, and uh, we need to see it in our own lives and make sure that we're eliminating those compromises that our children will see through. We need to get a break, get this week's bullet point. When we get back, 29% of the people who have left the faith say that their experience of negative religious teachings about or treatment of gay and lesbian people led them to leave their faith. We're going to get to that on the other side and get your comments as well. Send them in now during the break, and we'll be back right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Wynn with this week's Bullet Point. The Bible tells us about the intense persecution that was endured by early Christians. We know that many were imprisoned and a large number were put to death. In addition to the inspired accounts of persecution, uninspired historical accounts give us additional information about the terrible trials and sufferings of those first Christians. We are told that Christians in the city of Rome faced great danger when they assembled together for worship. Because of this, they were often forced to hold their meetings in secret places. We know that sometimes they met in the catacombs, which were underground cemeteries. Evidence from those secret meetings can still be seen today. 
It is said that at the height of the persecution, members of a family would leave for worship at different times so they would not generate suspicion from neighbors. They changed their meeting place and the time of their assemblies each week to avoid being discovered. Did you ever wonder how these early saints would react if they were able to comment about the practice of their modern-day brothers and sisters? Don't you imagine that they would be shocked to learn about the things that keep some Christians from attending all the worship assemblies and Bible studies? What was it that kept you from the assemblies last week? Too tired? Too busy? A school function? A ball game? A band concert? A vacation trip? Relatives from out of town visiting? A fishing trip? A round of golf? A minor sniffle or headache? Too sick to worship, but of course not too sick to go to work. Just didn't feel like coming? Stop for a minute to think what those persecuted Christians of the first century would say if they heard your excuses. Why did those people take such risk anyway? Why did they suffer so much? The answer is obvious. They loved the Lord and were committed to his service. What about you? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we'd encourage you to come and worship with us. Find out more about our meeting place and time of meeting at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. If you're traveling through or maybe you just want to take a trip, we'd love to have you visit with us at any time. Uh, come and find out more about us in person or Send us an email with your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about why young people are losing faith and what we can do about it on the program tonight. All right. So number three, 29% who left the faith said their experience of, was because of their negative experience, excuse me, their experience of negative religious teaching about or treatment of gay and lesbian people. That's pre- that's pretty amazing to me that that high of a percentage of people were were that upset about what was being said about gays and lesbians that caused them to leave the faith. I'm, I, I, there wouldn't be any way to prove this, but I, I wonder if that's not a little bit of reconstructing of history there in their in their own minds, because uh, I can't believe that they heard so much uh, that that high a number of people heard so much negativism about homosexuality that it caused them to leave their religious upbringing. I got to I got to think that they've maybe reconstructed that in their own mind it, because the homosexual agenda has been so aggressively pushed uh, in the last 20 years. But uh, as I said, I don't think there'd be any way to prove that. No, but I think it is um I think it's uh, an avenue of, to attack religion. Yeah, it's, it's, because it's, 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 this, it's, I think this is more of an excuse than a reason. But 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 it's the opposition is attacking our young people even with implanting this idea that homosexuality is okay and and just without question it's okay and then we then we show you the scriptures where the scriptures say it's not so well what are you left to do either you accept the scriptures or you you turn your back on what we've grounded you in that it's okay and so now they're turning their back against what the scriptures teach and against faith as well yeah. because of uh, of the, the attacks that the, that the world is making. Um, I, it talks in uh, in Second Timothy chapter three or four verses three and four. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, so they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn their ears away from truth and shall be turned into fables. Yeah, we've got to get our kids. We've got to instill in them an appetite for the truth, and I don't know that we're doing that. Well, it, it, the world has always rejected God's ultimate truth, 
And and so they're going to continue to do that. But I think this goes back to the idea of grounding our children well in in the in the truths of the Scripture. In other words, so should I believe what the Bible says about homosexuality? Well, ultimately that becomes a question: Should I believe what the Bible says about anything? Right. Uh, and and so I I got to teach my kids that the Scriptures are verbally the ver- verbally inspired Word of God, and prove that to them. And then if, if, if that's a proven fact in, in my children's minds, then when we come to a specific question about anything, but homosexuality is an example, I know that the Bible is the inspired word of God. This is what it says about homosexuality. Therefore, whatever the people of the world say, they're wrong, God is right. Uh, you know, that that's the way it's got to be approached. Uh, and so... I think this goes back to really grounding our kids in in their faith in God and his word, get them strongly grounded in in the truths of scripture. And and then when it comes to a controversial subject like homosexuality or abortion or something else, they they're going to they're going to have their feet on the ground and and even though the world may be going well, we're gonna, we're staying right here with God's word. Can we also say that we need to be te- teaching our children humility in this regard? I think we we fluff up their pride so much that they don't need to listen to what God has to say. That, oh, Junior's so smart, he he can figure out. You know, he he thinks he's so smart that he doesn't need to look to what God says and if he thinks homosexuality is okay or abortion or whatever, well he ought to be able to make his own decisions because he's he's such a special special kid and yeah. and he's so so gifted and bright. Why would he need to to yield to what God is saying? Well, I think there is some of that with young people they, that that they they are thinking things through more thoroughly than older folks did, which is I think a, a sort of misplaced pride or arrogance. A lot of a lot of very smart people have studied the scriptures for a very very long time. And, you know, the, the idea that I could come along later, I, I, I one time was having correspondence with a young man who claimed that he had studied very thoroughly on the subject of drinking. He said, I've, I've studied this very thoroughly for the last two or three years, and I've come to the conclusion that it's not a sin to drink alcohol. <laughs> I wrote him back and said, I've studied it very thoroughly for the last several years also. But I said, beyond that, lots of smart people have thought, thought about the scriptures for centuries. You have not discovered new truth, you know. And, and so we we we, we should, if, if our kids get that sort of sense, sort of arrogant pride that they're thinking things through more seriously or more thoroughly than has ever been done before, we need to knock that out of them pretty thoroughly. All right, Jeff in the chat room says it doesn't help that with folks like Westboro Baptists that go around protesting homosexuality in a more physical than spiritual way. The kids see that stuff and it really turns them off of religion as well. Well, Don or uh, Gail rather, Gail says uh, everyone should be treated with respect. Sometimes kids aren't taught respect, so they don't understand that people can disagree and still be respectful. One way parents teach disrespect is. Uh, yelling at their kids or treating them rudely while disciplining them or correcting them. Parents will make mistakes from time to time, and they should tell their child it was wrong for them to be rude, for the parents to be rude. That also teaches a child about accountability and that each person is responsible for their own sins. It's not a child's fault if a parent yells. Children should be taught that, but should be taught that, but many are not. In other words, in other words maybe she's saying that maybe the reason why some are turned off by what they've heard on subjects like homosexuality is because we haven't treated the, the, the issue respectfully. 
Uh, Kent in Georgia says, emphasize that the scriptures constitute our standard of authority. What do we do to combat this idea that folks are getting turned off by uh, teachings on homosexuality? He says, emphasize that our scriptures are our standard of authority, that it is God who condemns such lifestyles as being sinful, not because he hates such individuals, but rather such stands in opposition to God's righteousness and holiness and is proven from the scriptures to be detrimental to civilized society. All nations that have allowed themselves to endorse and practice such lifestyles have eventually self-destructed. We do not hate homosexuals and lesbians. We love their souls and seek to help them see the path of self-destruction on which they are traveling. Thank you, Kent. I think it's right. I mean, we, we can't compromise on subjects like that, but we can approach them in such a way as to not somehow alienate our own kids on the subject. In other words, we've got to teach them it's wrong. We cannot compromise that, but we ought to do it in such a way that they understand that we still care for the souls of those who are entangled in the sin of homosexuality, that we'll do whatever we can to help them and convince them, and, uh, but, but we can't compromise the truth. So it's a, fun, it's, it's, it's a balancing act. But it gets back to grounding them in, in this, the, the, demand, the, the responsibility and uh, necessity of scriptural authority and, and honoring what God has said in his word exactly so that right. we don't get to that point where they're challenged to am I going to accept what the world teaches or what God said? That that question should have been answered at a very young age. Exactly right. All right, let's grab our last break, Jacob. And then we got to fly to the to the end of the program. We're going to the top of the hour. When we get back, 19% of the people who left the faith and now are religiously unaffiliated blame the clergy sex abuse scandal, and then 18% blamed a traumatic event in their life. That's why they left the faith. We're going to talk about those when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. What does your church have for my children? At the College View Church of Christ, we don't have pizza parties or putt-putt nights. We don't have softball or basketball. We do have the Bible. We do have the powerful sayings of the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We do have the love for your children's souls to never substitute the solid spiritual teaching they need with superficial secular activities. If this is what you want for your children, bring them to Bible class this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Among U.S. adults who attend church regularly, 69% say a very important reason they do so is so their children will have a moral foundation. 68% say it's to become a better person. 66% say it is for comfort in times of trouble or sorrow. Far fewer cite their family's religious traditions, 37%, or a feeling of religious obligation, 31%, as reasons for their steady religious attendance. While even fewer say socializing and meeting new people, 19%, or pleasing their spouse or family, 16%, are the key reasons they attend church regularly. Among those who do not attend religious services, 28% say it is because they are not believers, 37% say they practice their faith in other ways, 23% say they haven't found a church or other house of worship that they like, while 18% say it is because they don't like the sermons. That information is via Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in Matthew 22, verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, talking about reasons why young people are leaving the faith and what we can do to combat it. Number four, 19% who left their faith said they did so because of the clergy sex abuse scandal. Isn't that something? And that's been in the news quite a bit here just recently. 
certainly has uh, for years now, it seems. Um, Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 18, verses 2 through 4, and it certainly is a possibility that you could offend someone and they leave the faith. In Matthew 18, verses 2 through 7, Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of him and said, Verily I say to you, except you be converted and become as little, ch- little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believes in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Jesus said you could act in such a way that you could cause someone to walk away from the faith. Yeah. And woe to you if you do. Yeah, very bad. Um, I mean, Kyle, you were making a point about the, because they because religion, man-made religions have set up this false clergy system. That's that's it wouldn't even happen if it wasn't for this false clergy system. I don't. Which absolutely not because it's uh, we've the Catholic Church and uh, even. You could say denominationalism churches, denominational churches. They put their pastor, or their preacher, up on top. He's at the top of this pyramid, and everybody, all everybody, looks to him as for leadership. So, and especially with the clergy, they're isolated. They cannot marry. They can't. They're on an island essentially. So that, that's it's creating a very bad, a volatile situation. So when they're, I'm not. That's not necessarily putting. Let's say, when that's okay, what they're doing. But it is creating a scenario which it it will it can and will happen. Yeah. So which they have to stop. I guess, I guess bottom line, well, though, with our kids, what we got to get. Uh, well, we so I'm leaving the church because of what this guy did. He he's a clergyman. He's a preacher. He did something real bad. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave religion. Well, if you think about it, I mean that's completely a misguided concept. A man did something bad, so I'm going to forsake God. Well, that doesn't even make sense. That guy's wrong. Condemn what he did. Uh, make make every effort to help people not to do such things in the future, but certainly don't take it out on God. All right. 877-381-4567. But we've got to be, I guess, Grounding our children in that, that their faith is not in men, but it's yeah. in God. Men are going to let us down. One sure. way that. Uh, Kent said, sexual abuse is sinful regardless who engages in such, including preachers. Such does not justify individuals walking away from God. Those who reject God because of the sexual abuse of others will e- eternally exist in hell right along with those guilty of sexual sins. I've never been able to understand nor appreciate the lack of rational thinking in such attempted excuses. I, I'm right on the same page with you there, Kent. Uh, and Gail says there is a lot of sin. There was a lot of sin in the first century church, but it was rebuked, and God expected people to still do what was right, no matter what others were doing. We can read in Revelation two through three how congregations were going to lose their Lord's presence if they did not repent of their sins. They did not give others that did not give others the right to be sinful just because some first century congregations were sinful. They still had to do what was right, and the ones who were sinning had to repent. I think right. exactly right. Thank Gail. you, Gail. And uh, then we get to the second-to-last reason that was given in this study in 2016 as to why people walked away from the faith. 18% said it was a traumatic life event. I I guess what that means uh, probably is uh, maybe a loved one died. 
You know, maybe, uh, uh, maybe. you know, my my mother. Uh, who was the sweetest, dearest person that ever lived on the face of the earth, got cancer and 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 really suffered just and died a horrible death. And I'm mad at God because that's that he let that happen to her. I, I guess that's what what's meant by when they say some traumatic event in a person's life caused them to leave religion. Yeah. Uh, I can't think what I, I I can't think what else it might be. Maybe maybe someone suffered a horrible divorce or. Who knows? I mean, you can you can think of a, uh, a thousand different scenarios. Something bad happened. Well, bad things happen in this world. Uh, that's just the reality of living in this present world. Bad things happen just by by chance, like someone contracting cancer. A lot of bad things happen because people make bad choices, you know. Uh, and sometimes innocent people suffer the consequence of other people's sins. Uh, you know, so uh, you're driving home from church one night. You're trying to do what's right. You get head on, hit head on by a drunk driver. He he got out and got drunk. He sinned, got in his car and drove and drove it into your car. You spend the rest of your life paralyzed. That's not fair. That's not right. Well, it's not God's fault that it, that it happened. I mean, it doesn't make sense for me to take that out on God. Uh, because someone decided to do a horribly sinful thing. Jeff says, in regards to the part about those who leave because of a traumatic event, I think this comes from the teaching that says that if God is really benevolent or even real, why would he allow bad things to happen? Folks fail to realize that life in this world is not supposed to be easy. The Bible says quite the opposite in Genesis three seventeen through 19. Thank you for that, uh, Jeff. And, and th- that passage in Genesis chapter 3 is in regard to the results of sin, the consequences yeah. of sin. Yeah, I've always, I think I think Jeff uh, is on the right track there. I I I think we should point out that when it, when everything was the way God wanted it to be, it was Garden of Eden. Very good, all good. Uh, and when it it was, but it was because God made man a free moral agent. God gives us choice. And so ultimately, all the bad things in this world are either specifically or generally caused because men have made bad choices. If if if, if man had never chosen to sin, we'd all still be living in Garden of Eden conditions, and yep. we wouldn't have physical infirmities, and there wouldn't be the, the evil consequences of sinful choices. Uh, so ultimately, it's because men chose to do bad things that, that, that brought all the pain and suffering into the world. All right. Thank you for that comment, Jeff. Uh, uh, Gail says, if many would count the cost before they become a Christian, they would plan ahead and remain faithful to God no matter what happens in our physical life. Also, most people throughout history have had a traumatic event in their life. Many learn that a traumatic event does not cause someone to quit loving God. Jesus went through traumatic events, but he still loved God. So many people don't understand what accountability is, so they blame circumstances or others for their decisions and feelings. Thank you for that. Kids. Uh, she goes on and says, should learn about accountability at a young age. Parents will make many mistakes, and parents, uh, as parents say sorry and ask for forgiveness, children learn that they are not responsible for a parent's actions or sins. Learning about accountability can help young people with traumatic events and other events later in life. Thank you, Gail. And Kent says traumatic events happen to many. I would probably say to all in their in their lives, one way or another. Such is common to humanity. It's a real aspect of living the only way to successfully overcome our problems is by allowing God to be the central focus in our lives. Those who fail to do so will discover in eternity that their final destiny without Christ will be far worse than the traumatic events that they experienced in life on earth. All right. All right. And then um, 
finally, 16% of the folks who walked away from the faith said that their congregation became too focused on politics. That was was kind of surprising to me. It is. uh, It's surprising, but that's an easy one to fix, isn't it? Yeah, so become a part of a church that realizes that its job is not to be involved in politics. So we need to understand that that's not the church's business. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15 tells us that we ought to be the pillar and ground of the truth, not the political action committee in our society. But, you know, lots of religions, especially mainline religions, are really into that heavily. Uh, And so, uh, again... We try to talk on the virtual Bible study a lot about the fact that we need Bible authority for everything we do. There's no Bible authority for churches to be involved in politics. And that's why we don't do that. We try to stay completely away from politics. Now, we talk about moral issues, and sometimes we talk about candidates who we urge candidates to take right moral stands on moral issues like abortion and homosexuality, same-sex marriage. So so there, there is some overlap between politics and morality we're going to teach about morality then then if 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 christians exercise their right to vote then they're going to vote on moral (laughs) issues relative to candidates that may be running for political office but our job is not politics right um go ahead which i uh i kind of took that question also is i guess you take inner church politics Which, of course, we can just go straight to the scriptures with that. Oh, okay. Now, Now you've got another thought there, Kyle. You may be exactly right. So let's let's, let's wrap up the one thing. If if people are objecting to churches being involved in the national politics or state politics, whatever, just leave that and go to church that realizes that's not their job. But you're talking about the fact that within a congregation there's a lot of political uh, maneuvering, trying to get power and, and... First Corinthians 2 kind of stuff. You may uh, be right there, Kyle. You may be exactly right on that. Which I was thinking about, uh, let there be no factions among you. Like, you know, I'm with this this group. You know, this, uh, like, I'm just, I'm with this group over here. And whatever whatever they think, we're going to be divisive. I'm on your your side, Kyle. We're going to get Jacob. We're going to knock him out. Yeah, I think you may may be on to something uh, right. All right. Good. All right. Uh, let's see what Kent says. He says, those who make such a complaint need to define what they mean uh, uh, by becoming too focused on politics. Oftentimes, those who bring such a complaint are too focused on politics themselves, the wrong, wrong kind of politics. They oftentimes are focused on the devastating tenets of socialism, which is nothing more than atheism, agnosticism, and postmodernism that has been on the destruction of our nation. Certainly, we, the local church, collectively as the local church, is not authorized by the scriptures to endorse specific political parties or specific candidates seeking elective office. However, many concepts that are debated in the political realm are moral and religious issues that are addressed either specifically or implicitly in the scriptures. We both as individual Christians or collectively as local churches must address biblical issues and stand firm on New Testament truth to be faithful to God. Um, and then Gail says the congregation should teach the whole counsel of God. The Bible says if we have something to get someone, we ought to go to them. Uh, if someone thinks someone is too focused on politics, then they should go to that person and work it out and let that person show them book, chapter, and verse for what they are focused on. So many problems come up because people leave the Lord instead of going to one another and working out problems or alleged problems. Some people get discouraged over political issues because it can get pessimistic, and Jesus was never pessimistic. Jesus was negative a lot, but never pessimistic. Jesus always gave people hope. We need to let people know as long as they are live on this earth, there is hope for them. Thank you, Gail, for your comments tonight. Thanks to Kent for his as well and the folks in the chat room.
some yeah. good discussion tonight. Yeah, I and think, Steve was uh, in there uh, with his email as well. Thanks, yeah, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, I think there's, I think it's a really important subject. I, I, and I tell you, if if you're a parent with kids at home, you need to have uh, eyes in the back of your head. You need to be on the lookout. 24 7 365 needs to be the most important thing you have to do let down you cannot relax you uh, while you while you have the principal opportunity to influence your kids you have got to be doing a full-time job of it and 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 the odds are are increasingly stacked against you it's getting harder and harder in this uh, uh, world that we live in and you're going to have to work overtime to get the job done Kyle, any final thoughts from you tonight on the program? Uh, which I just think about uh, which Solomon said, like the end of it all, just uh, serve, obey God and keep his commandments. But things we need to teach, which I don't have children, but I think it's uh, it comes down to we should teach children that it's a privilege. It's uh, We should want to and love to serve God and obey God and keep all the commandments. And just I think it's something that if we teach them that it's a privilege and it's a love to do what God says, then I think that's the end of it all. So I guess we need to keep that in mind. Thank you. Uh, I agree with that. That's uh, sort of the uh, commendation that uh, God made of Abraham, wasn't it? Uh, For I know him, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. He knew Abraham, that he was going to teach his children after him. He was going to be the leader. He was going to lead by example, and he was going to teach his children. And we as parents need to be doing that as well. Exactly right. It's a a, a a huge job. Very important. Yeah. In fact, whatever else you're involved in, your job, your recreation, anything else you're doing doesn't hold a candle in importance to this job. Thanks for being here tonight, Dad, and for your help. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for your good discussion. Thank you for your participation on the other end of the line tonight as well. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information, On the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.